Glad you're here. Glad to see you all. And it uh, feels like, you know, we're in the middle of the summer now. It's starting to heat up. We got through our big sports camp uh, two weeks ago, and, um, and uh, we're just moving on. And I think it's going to get hotter this week. So I'm, I'm feeling good. We're in the middle of the summer. My name is Bruce. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I'd love to. Uh, after service, I'll say hello. But we're in the middle of a message series that we started last week. And this, this series topic is, why, God? You ever have any questions? You ask, you ask God why? Like, why is he doing this? Why is he letting things happen? And uh, each message in this series, we're going to ask and then answer, hopefully, a very difficult question. The really common questions. I, I did a Google search to find out some of the top questions that people have for God. So like I went into Google and I typed, why does God, and then you know how it auto-populates? Like there's like, there's like, like a bunch of questions that people ask. And so last week, the, the first question that we tackled was, why is God letting bad things happen to me? That's kind of a big question, right? Why, and not just bad things in the world, but why is God letting bad things happen to me? So we, t- we talked about that. We looked at what the Bible has to say about that, and there's quite a lot. And really, that's a question related to suffering and pain and problems. And today's topic, we're going to answer a different question, and this one's related to prayer. So maybe at some point in your life, you've tried praying to God. Maybe, maybe even if you've never been to church before in your life, and maybe you're not, you're not even sure about Christianity, but you've probably at least tried praying, maybe at least once. And I think most people have given it a shot. And so if you have, maybe this question has come up in your mind. Why is God not answering my prayers? Have you ever wondered that? You pray, like, okay, I'll try this. I pray, and then, like, you're waiting. Is something going to happen? Am I going to see something? Is there going to be something that appears in front of me? The only reason you would ever ask the question, why is God not answering my prayers, is probably because you want to see something happen. And you know, or at least you think, that God is the only one strong enough to make it happen. And so then you pray about it, and it's not happening. Wow. So what's the big idea? You know, I pray, and God's supposed to be all powerful. And man, it's not, the thing I'm praying for is not happening. And that, that, can be, that can be painful. It can be kind of confusing. Because aren't there places in the Bible where it says he'll give us what we ask for? Have you ever heard any Bible verses like that? There, well, there are. There are verses that say that. So what's the deal? Hmm. Well, God's not as simple as a vending machine where you just punch in your, your request and then, you know, the answer pops out. It takes a little bit more, a slightly more complex understanding of the Bible. If you think God is just a bunch of buttons that you push in order to get the results that you want, then maybe some of these pictures reflect your experience. Maybe you've prayed like this before. Here's one example. On the day before the exam, I become the most religious person on the earth. <laughs> maybe you're like, all right, God, it's up to you now. I've got to make it through this exam. Or maybe, maybe a prayer like you've prayed like this. Bless these donuts that they nourish and strengthen our bodies. <laughs> you're like, I know it's not good for me, but God is powerful, and this is going to be good. You pray like that. So maybe, maybe you, know, you pray for the exam or the donuts, and things don't turn out the way that you hoped. Maybe, maybe it's more serious, though. Maybe you've prayed and you got a no. 
the answer that you got was no to your prayer. Or, or maybe just no real discernible answer. I think there's a few basic reasons to check out first. And so I, I want to cover some bases before getting into some of the foggier stuff. So here's, here's an initial checklist. If you prayed and it's not happening, check these things first. First one is, am I harboring unconfessed sin? It's probably a really good starting point. Even if you're a Christian, let's say that you have been walking with Jesus for years. Your sin, because you still sin, by the way, and I do, frequently, we still sin. And our sin has a way of putting a big, thick wedge between us and God. Look at what it says in Isaiah 59. It says, but your iniquities, that's another word for sin, your iniquities are separating you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. So our sin, if you allow something just to kind of fester in your heart or in your relationships, well, all, you, God is, God's like this. Boom. Can't, can't hear. So that's, that's important to know. Also in Psalm 66, it says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, this is from uh, the, the book of Psalms, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That word, to, to cherish iniquity, what he's saying, like, if there's something in my heart that I know shouldn't be there, but I kind of let it stay, and I know, I, I know better, but I'm not going to actually deal with it. Maybe I'm, like, bitter towards somebody, or I'm not getting that relationship cleared up, or I'm, I'm, I'm indulging some pleasures that I really just shouldn't be indulging, and I know better, but I'm just kind of, I'm going to just kind of do it anyway. That's what this is talking about. If we're just kind of it's almost like you got like a, a tasty morsel of something in your mouth that you should spit out, but instead of spitting out, you just kind of like savor it a little longer. Saying that's, that's what he's talking about. If, if we do that, the Lord's not going to listen. So the first, first checklist, if your prayer's not getting answered, see if you're harboring any unconfessed sin. You got to get rid of that. Second checklist, am I praying for things outside of his will? In 1 John 5, 14, it says, This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we got to, when we pray, we need to pray in line with his will. That's easy, right? <laughs> no, it's kind of hard. How do you know what God's will is? How do I know if what I'm praying for is in line? Well, it takes a pretty thorough understanding of the Bible and a whole lot of practice of just walking in obedience before you get a really good idea of what God's will is. But you can get there. And so maybe that thing that you're praying for, if you're praying for something, it's not getting answered. Are you sure you have an accurate understanding of God's perspective on that situation? Are you sure that the way you see that thing you're praying for is the way that God sees it? It'd be helpful to know if you're in alignment. You, you, you could actually find out by checking the Bible or actually asking for advice. But I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever heard anyone quote the verse from the Bible. There's like an obscure phrase from the Bible that says, God will give you the desires of your heart. Has anybody heard that before? If you, maybe you're familiar with that phrase. God will give you the desires of your heart. That sounds really nice. But often, that, is, it's kind of that verse is chopped in half. There's, there's more to it, actually. Psalm 34, 37.4 says, First, what we do is we delight ourselves in the Lord, and he will give us the desires of our heart. Which means we have to find our primary delight in all of life in Jesus first. Our, all of our delight is focused and channeled through him, what he wants. And then our desires begin to conform 
to his, to his will. So the psalmist, and by the psalmist who wrote this verse, I mean, it sounds really good, all the desires of your heart. It's like, man, that sounds like blissful. Like, man, I get everything I want. Actually, the guy who wrote this was dealing with a tremendous amount of injustice and evil that just seemed to be going on for a very long time. It's a psalm about enduring when things are not coming together. It's not, it's not a psalm that's all about, like, all my desires blissfully coming together, being fulfilled. So I would recommend, if you've ever had that, God will give you the desires of your heart as like a motivator for your decision making. I would recommend reading this chapter fully to get an idea of really what that means. Um, All right, another checklist item. If your prayers are not getting answered, am I praying with selfish motives? James 4.3 says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So at the core of your prayer request, Who does it really benefit ultimately? You're praying for something. Is it just selfish though? Is it just, is it really just for you? We we have to be brutally honest with ourselves on this one. And it's really hard. Sometimes you don't even want to admit to your own motives. You go deep inside your heart and nobody knows your motives except for you. People could have an idea about what your motives are and they think they know why you're doing, but nobody knows really why you're doing what you're doing except for you. And so you gotta be honest with your motives. And it's really hard. There's one time I was praying so hard for a miracle. When I was in my teenage years, I was in a youth group in New York, where I grew up, and we went to Toronto. There was like a big convention of a lot of Christians that are praying for a lot of miracle things to happen. And um, some people, it seemed like maybe some people were getting some physical healings, and some people were getting the fillings in their teeth turned to gold. I think. I don't actually know for sure if this I was 14, so I don't, I don't have, I'm not the most reliable resource. But there were some really interesting things happening. And I was, I had no, like, coaching on how to, like, evaluate an experience like that. And so, but I'm in, I'm just in this youth group. We all, like, pile on a bus and just went overnight. And um, I'm like, man, people are getting gold in their teeth. That's awesome. So I prayed so hard that God, I have some feelings. I could show you. And they're, um, they're not gold. They're just whatever aluminum they put. I don't know what they put in there. <laughs> I'm not a dentist. But I got some fillings, and um, I really, I was thinking about this, and I thought, I, well, i got to be careful I'm not doing this for selfish reasons. And um, I'm, I had totally convinced myself, God, if you put gold in my teeth, I will glorify you so much. Like, it's, you know, I'll use it for your glory. And I really was trying to, like, purify my motives. And you know how sometimes people say, like, part of the reason you don't get your prayers is because you don't have enough faith? I have some thoughts about that philosophy, but I'm going to tell you, in that moment, I had as much faith as a 14-year-old could have. I'm like, I really believe God's going to do this for me. And uh, it didn't happen. So I had to revise some of my 14-year-old philosophies about prayer at that moment. But I think now, looking back, I'm like, who am I kidding? I just wanted a a flashy experience, and I really think, I I don't really know how I was going to use that to glorify God or other people or anything. It was really, at the core of it, it was selfish. So, but let's just assume you've gone through this checklist. Okay, you're praying, and it's not happening. And you've confessed all known sin, okay? And, you're, and you are praying for things that's in line with God's word. And you've really, you've, you've checked your motives. So you, you've done all this. You're like, I am, I am praying with a pure heart, with pure motives before the Lord, earnestly for this thing, for a good thing to happen. And the answer is still no. And the answer, or it's just, there's no answer that you can tell. 
and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm praying earnestly and the only one who has the ability to solve this problem is not helping me out. And you think, man, some God, what's the deal? Like, is prayer broken? Like, is God not working? Like, and this is, that, that, this is actually a moment where people tend to start doubting God. You could be a Christian or not a Christian. You could be a Christian for a long time. You could still doubt God and you get to this with this point. Here's, here's a real skeptical statement that I found online. Here's about prayer. Someone says, the world needs less of this and more of this. The world needs, it's saying the world needs less prayer and we, we need more scientific advances. Prayer, what, why, why do we need more people praying? I don't know if you've ever heard anyone make a comment like that on social media or, or just in, in your life where people say, you know, all right, stop praying and start doing something that's actually going to work. Have you ever heard anybody say anything like that or that thrown out there? And if you have your own doubts about prayer, how do you answer a person like that? That's what, I mean, I would say a real skeptical, jaded person would make a comment like this. And if you've got your own doubts, it's kind of hard to answer. What about personal prayer requests that you have that are good? Let's say you've been praying for the salvation of a family member. Or maybe you've been praying that you would find a spouse. Or maybe you've been praying to get healing from a really debilitating disease. Or maybe you've been praying for a healthy pregnancy. Aren't all of those good things? Like, doesn't doesn't God want our family members to be saved? Like, doesn't God say that marriage and kids and all this stuff is really good and that we should work towards that? Yeah, he does. So one conclusion then is if I'm praying for, if I'm praying for those really genuinely good things and it's not happening, then one conclusion is that God is cruel. And if we're honest, sometimes we feel that way. Because like, why won't God give me the things that his words say are good? How cruel of God to say, here, desire these good things and then not give it. Man, that's really hard. And personally, I don't look at this question of unanswered prayer in a theoretical way, but also in a very personal and sometimes gut-wrenching way. There have been moments when I've asked, why, God? Like, why... I can't see why it's working out this way. And even, even currently in our family, we've got some prayers that are just hanging out there. Things that we continue to ask for, and then the future is still shrouded in a fog of uncertainty. And it's a really difficult place to be in. There have been times when I have called on the Lord to do things that he has not seen fit to grant, at least not in the way that I asked for so the topic that we tread on today is possibly a tender spot in your life. And so I don't, I don't take this topic lightly. I don't want to make light of it. I, I do believe there is real comfort in God's word. And so we're going to step a little bit more into some of the foggier aspects of prayer. And I want to say this. When we do pray with a pure heart and pure motives, so you've done the whole checklist at the beginning. You've got a pure heart and pure motives. God promises to give us good things, but it might not be what we asked for. This is one of the points on your listening guide. All right, good, we got it there. So he will give you good things, 
it might not be what you asked for. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard people say, be careful what you ask for. Like, like if you were to pray for patience. Lord, please bless me to have patience. Boom, the answer is three hours in traffic. <laughs> be careful what you pray for. You're like, that's not what I had in mind. Come on, God. Uh, that, just, that just feels like a cruel joke, honestly. Fortunately, Jesus helps us understand a little bit how prayer works, actually a lot of it, and he shows us that God's not a cruel prankster, okay? God actually is a very good and loving father. And this, that's what he says in Matthew 7. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So he's talking about, talking about prayer here. And so there's a lot there. He says, ask, seek, knock, pray. Give God your request. This, this is like a strong, bold, like, you, like if you follow Jesus, pray, ask for things. But, but he goes on and he says, Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, he's meaning like in comparison, God is so good, in comparison to God, it's almost like we're evil parents. Even though we, we do good for our kids. He's like, even, even you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, to your children. How much more? Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So there's this really amazing analogy that draws us into thinking about how we treat our own kids and how God treats his kids. And what's striking here is that God promises to give good things to his children when they ask. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you've made him your Lord and your boss, then that means you have become a child of God. We're sons and daughters of God, and he's our good father. So he's saying, our Father will give us good things. It's a promise. But it doesn't say that he gives us precisely what we ask for, just that there's good things. And he's comparing himself to our own parenting. And so if you're, if you're a parent, you can identify with this, or even if you're not a parent, you, you've been around little kids, and you know how little kids work. So we don't give kids everything they ask for, do we? <laughs> Especially when they're like two or three years old. I think my son was about to get some coffee from the thing earlier this morning, and they stopped him. Thank you, whoever stopped him. Um, our kids don't know all that's good for them. My kids are constantly asking for things that are not good for them, like soda every day, or play video games for hours nonstop, or watch thriller movies that sound really cool, like Jaws and Jurassic Park when you're really little. I'm like, no, like, I know what movies I saw when I was your age, and I still have nightmares about them. No, like, you're not doing that. So sometimes I block their requests. Sometimes I, I give them what they're asking for, but slightly different, a different movie perhaps, or less soda or something like that. But, you know, I, 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 as a good father, I give them what's good. Imagine my, my youngest son asking me for a peach. We're into peaches lately, partly because of Super Mario Brothers. So peach. So I'm... I'm totally eager to give him a peach at lunch. That'd be, that'd be a great thing to have. And I reach for the fruit and I notice it has mold on it. I tell him, oof, you can't, you can't have a peach because it's all moldy. And he says, I'll eat it anyway. Like, can I have the peach? I'm like, no, you can't have the peach and I won't give it to him because I know better than him. If you eat the fuzzy stuff, that's not the peach part. <laughs> that's, it's gonna be bad for you and it's gonna be bad for all of us. I know mold is not good for my son. 
Now, if you, if you bring this analogy back to our lives, and you might think, okay, that makes sense, but the things I'm asking God for are not soda and moldy fruit. I'm asking God for the gloriously good things like the conversion of my family or the uniting of my relationships. Like, we can't possibly imagine how the thing I'm asking for could be bad for us. How could, how could it be moldy to have God save our family? When God doesn't come through for us the way that we want, it feels like he's cruelly handing us something bad. Notice Jesus' reference to snakes. We live in Santa Clarita, and there's rattlesnakes here. Has anybody ever seen a rattlesnake in Santa Clarita? Especially this time of year. So he's saying, you know, if, you're, if a kid asks for a fish, which is a good nourishing thing, who, which of you is going to give him a snake? Um, a really dangerous thing. And so if you're, uh, imagine you're out hiking with your kids or some kids, and you're out in Towsley Canyon or Whitney Canyon or one of those areas, and there's a rattlesnake a big rattlesnake on the path. What parent would tell their kids, sure, go pick that up, grab it, grab a hold of it, go walk right up to it. No, you would, you would never let your kids hold a rattlesnake out in the wild. Right? Please say that you would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is saying that God is infinitely more good as a father than we are as parents. So we know we're not going to let our kids hold something damaging. Because we don't always like the results that God gives us, sometimes it feels like he handed us a snake. Like, God, I prayed for this, and you give me this, and I don't like this at all. This, this, actually, this feels bad and wrong. I prayed for your help, and this is what you give me. Circumstances in your life might be so painful that it feels like you've been handed and then bitten by a venomous snake. And Jesus is telling us that God our Father can always be trusted to give us good things, not to give us bad things that destroy us. In verse 11, he says, if we ask him, he will give us good things. And it's called faith when we believe that good will ultimately come out of the things that seem bad in the present. So God promises to give us good things as a father, but it might not be exactly what we're asking for. And because God is so good, that's why Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, pray, give him your request, keep asking, keep praying. He has promised to respond to our prayers with good. He's saying good things will open up in your life because you're praying. So we're going to look at, I want to show you another passage where this actually, this is played out in a really interesting way in Genesis, first book of the Bible. Because it, it might be tempting to conclude that unanswered prayer means God is checked out. God is unresponsive. I pray, nothing happens, hear nothing, he's, he's just MIA. He's out. And I, I would like to suggest to you that God never does nothing in answer to prayer. Meaning, God always responds in some way when we pray with a right heart. That our prayers, when you get on your knees, or you're driving in your car and you're praying, or you're alone in your room, or you're going on a walk and you pray, God never does nothing in response. That God is a kind and compassionate Father to his children. That he listens to our prayers. So look real quick at this story of Abraham. God promised to Abraham and Sarah that they would, they would get pregnant, but they were getting really old, 
like 90 years old, really old. Imagine that. And so far, no kids. Actually, Abraham did have one son, but he, uh, he got a slave girl pregnant, not his wife. And so he has this son. You know, God said, you know, you, you're, you and your wife, you're married couple, you will have a son. So he's got this other son. That's not quite what God said. And uh, so God said to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. He's saying, like, there's, like there's, a, there's a phenomenal lineage coming from you and your wife. Abraham fell face down, and then he laughed. He's probably struggling in his faith with God on this one. He laughed, and he said to himself, Can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? And so Abraham said to God, and this is the part that is basically like him praying. He says, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. Ishmael's that other son from the slave woman. Ishmael, and basically what he's praying, he's praying is, God, would you let Ishmael, the son that I do have, and the one that I can see, can you let him be the chosen son of promise? But God said, no. We'll go to the next verse, because I want you to see the reality of it. Genesis 17 says, God said no. Actually, go back one slide, just for the effect. Dramatic effect. There we go. I just want that to sink in. God said no. Sometimes we pray, and we're not really sure what the answer is. It kind of feels like a no, but I don't know for sure. In this case, there's no denying it. It is clearly N-O, period, no. So we have to like all emotionally prepare ourselves for the reality that we serve a God who does sometimes say no. And God might have just left it at that and just gone on and done to Ishmael, that son by the slave woman, and just did whatever he wanted to do with him. But look at how God responds. So he does say no. Thanks for tracking with me, guys. He says, no, your wife Sarah will bury you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. And next he says this. He says, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders, and I will make him into a great nation. God says, I have heard you. I have heard your prayer. And it's, your prayer is going to affect what I do next. I have heard you, and that's why I'm going to bless Ishmael the way I'm going to bless him. I'm not going to bless him the way that you asked me to, precisely, but I am going to bless you, and the reason is because I've heard you. I'm listening. I'm responding to you. Now, what should we learn from these passages about God's no to our prayers? Here's the least I think we can learn, is that even when God says no to the specific intention of our prayer, it doesn't mean that there's no blessing in response to our prayer. And based on Jesus' teaching, I would go so far to say that God never does nothing in response to your prayers. I mean, how else could you keep crying out to God for something year after year, year after year, and keep praying for that thing, or that person, or that situation, when it seems like it's not getting granted. How can you keep praying unless you really do believe that God is listening every time, and he's responding in some way, and believing that God 
always gives good things to his children because we ask. James 5.16 sums it up beautifully. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. By effective, he means it does things. You pray and things happen. That's how it works. Our prayers make things happen because God is listening and he's responsive. The blessings that we receive might not be exactly in the form we ask for, but they're resulting from our prayers, though. What an incredible privilege that a prayer, imagine I'm just, I'm just quietly praying a prayer. I'm all by myself. Nobody even knows where I am on a bench or in a car or in a closet or wherever I am. And that little prayer that I utter moves the hand of the God of all creation. What a privilege that is. And if you knew that God would respond to every single prayer you pray in some way, how would that help you? How would that motivate you in your prayer life? For me, it's powerfully motivating knowing that every time I pray, God is listening and responding. It's not like sometimes he's like, oh, sorry, I'm off, I'm off hours. You got to call back eight to five. It's not like that with God. He's listening. Unless, you know, unless there's blockages, like we talked at the beginning. But if you, if you worked through the blockages and you're praying with a genuine, honest, earnest heart, he's listening and responding. So this, this big question that many, many people have asked, why isn't God answering my prayers? Honestly, I don't claim to have all the answers because... Beneath that question, sometimes is a deep well of pain and experience. I don't have all the answers. I do believe there's more to God in the way that he runs the universe than I can fully grasp. I also believe there's more to the way he runs my personal life than I can fully grasp as well. I think there's, there's, I think there's lots of things he's doing in my life that I can't quite see yet. And the passages that we've looked at today, and many others, have really strengthened my faith in a wonderful way. And so, just to kind of wrap it up, I want to give you a few questions that you can ask yourself. No matter how long you've been on a spiritual journey with God or not, these are questions that you can ask yourself. So if God doesn't answer prayer the way I hope, one question is this. Will I keep trusting God? Because we get dis- when we get disappointed, we run the risk of mistrust. We start getting into doubt and bad things happen and so we conclude, well, I guess that proves God can't be trusted. I guess that proves that either he's not powerful enough or prayer doesn't work, but either way, doubt and mistrust begin to grow. I'm going to tell you, God loves to see when we trust him fully, even when we're hurting, even when we're suffering, as Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And we are, we're called to, to walk the same steps that Jesus walked. After all, you know, our faith, would, our faith wouldn't be worth very much if we only trusted God when life was cheery. Another question to ask yourself if your prayers are not getting answered is, will I keep believing that he's giving me good things? You might not re- receive the things you pray for in the time that you're praying for it, but will you choose to interpret the results as God's version of good? There will be times when we wonder if he's cruel and ripping us off. Man, God, what's the deal? In those moments, we have have to hold up the shield of faith. From Ephesians 6, we hold up the shield of faith, and we say, my God is going to be good to me. He will not rip me off. I have to trust him. I have to trust him to give me the good that he's decided to give, and I will see how good comes through it all in the end. 
Third question to ask yourself, if my prayer goes unanswered, will I keep praising God? So not, not just trusting Him, but have joy-filled, upbeat emotion when I think about God. Will I praise Him? Psalm 66 is a psalm of praise written by a guy who went through a meat grinder. It's written by a guy who had a lot of prayers going answered. His life was just disaster after disaster, trouble after trouble. And I'm thinking, I, I would imagine so many times he called out to God and the answer didn't come through the way he wanted. God, and he, he realizes in the end, it was actually God himself that was leading him through all the trouble. But he has this incredible response of praise. Listen to what he says in verse 16. He says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. So, like this psalmist, will you believe that God has not rejected your prayer? And will you praise God for his steadfast love, no matter how things pan out? So, is your heart heavy with discouragement or bitterness toward God and resistance? Or, or do you make your heart light with praise and gratitude and joy? Finally, one very important question to ask Will I keep praying? <laughs> if my prayers go unanswered, will I keep praying? One real natural response is just to stop praying. Man, if God's not going to answer me anyway, why, why even pray? And I think this is why Jesus told the story of boldness in Luke 11. He commends the man who audaciously goes to his friend at midnight to ask for a favor. And Jesus implies that we should be bold, even shameless and daring, in our requests of God. Like, get, get up there, get in there, and ask your big requests of God. So Jesus, look, at it, look at it in Luke 11. Just pray. Make your requests known. And again, he says this, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Jesus tells us, keep praying. Though it may be a challenge, keep praying, keep trusting God to bring the good results in His way. I'd recommend, if you have a listening guide, circle whichever one of those questions are hardest for you to answer and start working on this week in your own personal prayer time. Bring this with you. Look at some of these verses. Next week, we're going to continue this series, and we're going to ask another question that I think is on the minds of some people, and it's, why is God letting our nation change? The question Maybe there's things happening in our country, in our world, that you feel like are sliding in a negative direction. And you're like, why, why is God letting that happen? I want to answer that. I'm excited to show you some of the things from the Bible on that topic. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you so much. We just praise you for being a good father, a loving, generous, compassionate father that hears us, your children, when we pray to you and that you've promised to do good to us. I pray, Lord, that you'd, in all of us here, that you'd strengthen our faith today through your word. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how God treats us and how we can continue to ask, and you'll give good things. We trust you, Lord. I, do, we, I just want to declare our trust in you. Help those of us that are struggling in their faith to trust, to, to place it firmly rooted in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.